Awesome. Well, good morning, everybody. Happy post-Thanksgiving day. Um, you know, I know that uh, some of you might have had conversation with me before about how I feel about Christmas music. You may now begin to play your Christmas music. Okay. Uh, I'm a firm believer that, you know, you can't just skip over Thanksgiving, mainly probably because Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays, so uh, I kind of feel a little partial to that. Uh, but uh, I am very excited to be here with you guys this morning to be able to share the Word of God. Um, I, ah, man, I just got to, ah, I want to say good morning to those of you guys who are online as well. Thank you so much for sh being here with us and um, jumping online with us. I want to say a special shout out to my cousin, Lester, uh, one of my best friends. Uh, he's like a brother to me. But today is a very special day because 19 years ago, on this day, he and I were en route to go visit a friend of ours for their birthday. And we got in a major car accident. Our car ended up flipping like eight different times. Um, he had to be helicopter lifted out from the car and taken to the hospital. I remember at the time, it was like, yes, yeah, so it was 2001, so I was 17 years old. Uh, and because I was 17 years old, uh, they sent me to the children's hospital. My cousin was 18, so he went to the regular adult hospital. Good thing they're next to each other. However, word got to our family that we were in the hospital and that we were at the adult hospital. So all of our family was at the adult hospital. I was in the children's hospital, and my Father gets there, and he's like, my son was in the car accident as well. Like, they're, you know, trying to figure out where I'm at. He's saying my name. They're like, he's not here, okay? Uh, that is not what you want to hear as a parent in that particular type of situation. And during that time, I think also the movie John Q with Denzel Washington had recently come out. And so uh, my dad was like, yo, I was about to go John Q in there. Because I didn't, they didn't know where you were. But uh, to God be the glory, because... My cousin and I are alive to this day, and God truly had a purpose on our lives. So it is almost like, uh, I think the word is ethereal, right? Like there's this like, kind of like layer above the reality of what you're living in. It seems kind of like existential for me to be doing what God has called me to do on a day where 19 years ago my life could have ended. So I'm excited to preach the word of God this morning, man. I got fire in my heart. So I hope you guys are ready to hear from the word of God. Finders, keepers, losers, weepers, right? Finders, keepers. It is a phrase that a lot of us know, a phrase that a lot of us have probably maybe used growing up, right? How many of you guys have ever used the phrase finders, keepers to kind of try to find, when you found something, you were like, yo, this is mine, finders, keepers, it's a win. Well, the irony behind finders, keepers, it's, um, it's actually it comes from a Roman law, right, that, that kind of had the same effect, that if you were to find something and you just you found it, it belonged to you. It was yours. It was a Roman law. The, the additive losers weepers didn't come until the mid-1800s. So uh, back in the Roman times, you know, early on, if you found it, it belonged to you. It was yours. Uh, I do want to go on record and say that that phrase no longer has any legal bearing uh, today. So uh, if you found something and you say, it's mine, I find his keepers, uh, by law, that may not hold, uh, uh, hold any weight. But when I think about this idea of finders keepers, I think about the year 2020. <laughs> 
The year 2020 has been a year of finders keepers in a lot of different ways. Uh, you may be saying to yourself, you know what, I actually am done with 2020. I want 2020 to be over with, ready for it to wrap, ready for the music to come through, you know, the confetti. I'm ready for the credits on the year 2020 uh, so I can look at the names and know who to blame. I cannot wait for 2020 to be done. Uh, but in reality, in reality, uh, uh-oh, sorry, there we go, here we go. In reality, some of us went through 2020, and we found some things. We found some things. Some of us found some things we didn't want to find. Some of us found some things that we were happy to find. I mean, I found 15 pounds. I was not excited to find the 15. I mean, I just kind of felt, I just kind of picked it right on up. I don't know where it came from. I don't know. I just, it just kind of like latched onto me or something. It's like bad. I just found these 15 pounds out of nowhere. Um, but that's more of like a negative, right? That's more of a negative idea of, of uh, finders, keepers, right? There's also some positives. Some of us found some things like time. We found time to do things that we didn't have time for before. I know that for me personally, I found more time uh, to spend with my family, which was a blessing. It was amazing. I was like, oh, man, this is great. And in reality, it's something that I hope to keep, Right? I found time with my family, and I pray that it's something that I get to keep as I move forward. And usually, usually, the idea behind finders keepers is a positive thing, right? It's a, it's a positive thing. I know, again, some might have found some things negative, right? 15 pounds. Some might have found some things positive. But my prayer is that we have found something positive. I truly believe as a church, as Christians, that 2020 has handed us an opportunity to find clarity, to find clarity. And here's how I believe, this is why I believe we have been able to find clarity. During our quarantine time, during our time of, you know, shelter in place, Pastor Jeff, uh, leader in command, right? He said, hey, listen, this is what we need to do. We need to be reaching out to the people in our church and staying connected with them as best as possible. So us as a staff, we were doing that. We were making phone calls. We were, you know, trying to go through the directory. Uh, we did it for several weeks. And it, the first week, I kind of was like, all right, cool. Went through my list. Second week, I was like, okay, went through my list. By the third week, I was like, okay, there has to be some sort of purpose behind this. And I, and I can't just call people and say, hey, how you doing? And then just kind of keep on moving down the list. There has to be something that is within what's taking place. And I really felt, the heart of the, I felt in my heart the Holy Spirit say, I want you to ask what people are hearing from me specifically. So I did that. And so I started to compile a list. And this list is a list of just some, okay, some of the things that people were saying that God was speaking to them. We talk about stay focused, look outside your problems. God is always present. Don't take life for granted. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Revival is coming. Be obedient. He is in control. Patience and perseverance. Listen, this was 
And these, a lot of them were repeats. Some people were saying similar things. These, some of them were just in derivatives, right? Some of them was like, you know, the idea of he is in control. Someone was like, I need to learn to let go. Like, it is like, it's the, they're kind of one and the same. And I started to see that God was speaking to our people in the midst of a pandemic. It was like we were beginning to recalibrate in our hearts and souls and find clarity in the midst of chaos. I don't know about you, but when I look at this list, man, this is a beautiful thing. To know that we as believers in 272 Jackson Mills Road at this church, First Assembly of God, God was speaking into the hearts and lives of his sons and daughters. And my prayer is that it would be finders, keepers. That the things found here on this list would be things that are kept within our hearts as we move forward into 2021. As we move forward into the rest of our faith journey. It was just an incredible, awesome thing to see. I mean, I was absolutely blown away. And then I realized something else. As I was preparing this message for today, these things, these things are clarity of who God is. And, I, and it made me in my heart start to kind of feel as if we need to have an understanding, not just for clarity of who God is, but clarity of the gospel. Because it's not, it's not a mistake that things have taken place during this 2020 year, but it is an opportunity for us as believers to walk in faith to be instruments of the Holy Spirit, be instruments of God for the glory of his kingdom and champion the gospel to the people around us. Last week, Pastor Matt prayed an incredible prayer. He said, listen, everything that we need in order to be effective in the kingdom, we already have. We already have. And it made me think to myself, I'm like, man, this is what we need. Clarity of the gospel so that when we have encounters with people, we can be people of influence. Clarity of the gospel allows for us to step into what I like to call gospel fluency. Gospel fluency is the ability to take the gospel, right, and apply it to everyday stuff. The ability to take the gospel and apply it to everyday stuff. And this is actually critically necessary for believers, right? Think of it, when I say gospel fluency, maybe the word fluency makes you think of a language, and when you think about language, maybe some of you think about that language that you took in high school that you don't remember anymore, right? Or maybe it's the language that you took in high school, and maybe you can pick some things out, and maybe you can understand some things, but you really can't speak it fluently. My fear is that sometimes, as believers, this is what we do to the gospel, we can pick pieces out of the gospel. We can have an understanding for it, but we can't really speak it into everyday conversation. And I believe as 2020 begins to settle down and we start to move into 2021, who knows what's on the horizon of 2021, but here's what I do know. We absolutely need clarity of the gospel moving forward as believers so that we can be effective for the kingdom of God. The gospel cannot be something that we can pick pieces out of. It has to be something that we fluently speak into the everyday moments of our life so that people can draw near to Jesus. You and I have been set apart 
for a purpose. And part of that purpose is being used of God to build the kingdom of God. And so it's critical that we understand what it means to be fluent in the gospel. Now, before we get to that, being fluent in the gospel, we need clarity of the gospel. And so today, my prayer is that we would find clarity in the gospel, understand how necessary it is for us to have clarity in the gospel so that we can be effective for the kingdom of God. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1, we're going to be reading verses 6 through 10. And today, the way things are going to kind of shake out is we're going to go through the verses, we're going to exegete the passage, and then after we exegete the passage, we're going to talk about some practicals that I believe are helpful in gaining clarity of the gospel. Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 10. Now, as you're turning there, I want to give you a little bit of backstory. When I think about 2020, all right, and again, this idea that clarity has been found for some of us, and maybe for some of us, clarity has not been found. Maybe there's just confusion. We'll get to that in a minute. I thought about this letter. This past Wednesday, Pastor Bonnie was talking about how Paul, in all of his letters, he talks about how thankful he is, except for one letter. <laughs> this letter. <laughs> Right? This letter is a different tone from all the other letters. And part of the reason why that tone is different is because, first off, the, the, letter, of Gal- or the letter of Galatians right, is written to a region, not one specific church, but a region that had many different churches. Right? And in that region, there was a heresy that started to kind of unfold. Not kind of, it was, it was happening. There was a heresy that started to unfold, and it started to attack the main crux of the churches, which was the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the heresy that began to take place was there were these Judaizers. Judaizers were Christians, or if you want to, you know, Christians. They were Christians who came through and told people that in order for them to be saved, they had to observe the culture and customs of the Mosaic law. That if they did not fall in line with the culture and customs of the Mosaic law, that they would not be saved. And one specific thing that they were pushing for was circumcision. They were pushing for circumcision, saying, if you're not circumcised, then you are not saved, which was like, whoa, like, okay. And unfortunately for a lot of people in the region of Galatia, they began to follow through. They said, okay, well, I want to be saved, so I guess this is what I need to do. And Paul got word of this and understood that if he did not meet this heresy at the head of it, at the head of it, at the start, that it could absolutely crumple the core of the gospel and the core of faith. So he jumps right into this letter. It's probably why the tone is so immediate, so abrupt, so abrasive. He needs them to understand that what they're doing is actually reverting, moving backwards, undoing the work of the gospel and the beauty of the gospel by partaking in the Mosaic law. And so Paul starts off this letter with some fire, okay? Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 10, we'll break it down like this. 6 through 7, I'm reading from the NET. It says, 
I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are following a different gospel. Not that there really is another gospel, but there are some who are disturbing you and wanting to distort the gospel of Christ. He goes on to say, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel contrary to the one we preached to you, let him be condemned to hell. As we have said before and now say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, let him be condemned to hell. Am I now trying to gain the approval of people or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a slave of Christ. Woo, here we go. Fire right out the gate. And it's important and it's almost necessary, right? Because what the Galatians have begun to do was lose clarity. They began to lose clarity of the gospel, something so central to who they were, something so central to faith, something so central to their journey, so central to the kingdom of God and everything that God was doing within that new early church. In 2024, a lot of us began to do the same thing, right? For some of us, we began to get confused, lose clarity, attach ourselves to things that have no bearings on the gospel. And in that same way, if we do not untether ourselves from those things, we could lose sight of the most precious thing that we have ever had, and that's clarity of the gospel. Paul lets the people know that this is not the way that the gospel is supposed to go. Paul uses some pretty strong language here, but if we're talking about the gospel and we're talking about the trajectory of people's hearts, this strong language is absolutely necessary. And here's the main point, right? Here it is. Christian faith is rooted in the work of Jesus Christ. Christian faith is rooted in the work of Jesus Christ. We are justified by the work of Jesus Christ. Christ, by what Jesus has done for us on the cross. It's not whether or not we wear a mask. It's not whether or not our political candidate won. It's not whether or not you got, you know, mac and cheese over here on this side, sweet potato pie on this side, or pumpkin pie, which, to be clear, sweet potato pie is the only pie you need to be eating on Thanksgiving. I'm just gonna gonna say that. That's just my personal, I'm kidding. But those things have no bearings on the gospel. And Paul wants the readers to understand this, that the greatest thing that you have ever gained in terms of clarity is an understanding of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. He goes on to say in chapter 5, verse 1, he says, For freedom, Christ has set us free. And then he says, Stand firm then, and do not subject again to the yoke of slavery. There were so many things on the table for 2020 for us to be enslaved to. So many things for us to be caught up in. And I think that it's time that as we gain clarity of the gospel and recalibrate who we are, we understand that we have been set free for a purpose, to build the kingdom of God. And as 2020 comes to a close, 2021, we should be on mission, taking the clarity of the gospel and allowing it to fuel who we are so that people may taste and see that the Lord is good. That's the goal. That should be our mandate. 
Have you ever seen somebody enslaved to something? Absolutely just kind of controlled by that thing? Have you seen it? Have you ever seen that? Have you ever seen somebody be so lost into one particular thing that all they have is tunnel vision? Here's here's a tough question. You ready? Have you ever been enslaved to anything? No, Pastor Jamal, not me. I've never been, I've never had tunnel vision for one particular thing ever in my life. No way. I've always only been devoted to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes? Sometimes it's very easy for us to sit back and point fingers at how people become enslaved to things when in reality it is the nature of our hearts to worship. And when our hearts are postured before the wrong things, they begin to worship the wrong things. So as 2020 comes to a close, my prayer is that as we gain clarity of the gospel, our hearts would be postured before the king, would be postured before his kingdom, would be postured before his purpose for our lives. And as we are empowered by the spirit of God, we would go forth empowered to see lives changed and transformed to the glory of God the Father. So let's exegete the passage. Let's break down the passage really quick so we have a little bit of an understanding because it's important for us to gain gospel clarity and then also have gospel fluency. Number one, when we exegete the passage, Paul assesses the situation. He takes a look at what's going on and he gives an assessment of everything going on in the passage of Scripture. So let's go to verses 6 and 7. He says, you know, I'm astonished. I'm blown away, man, that you guys are so quickly deserting the one who called you. You guys are stepping away from God who has called you into life, right? He gives this assessment and then, or excuse me, he gives that kind of like, this is where I'm feeling. But then he assesses the situation and he says, wait a minute, you're following a different gospel. And then he gives a clarification statement. No, actually, there is no other gospel. What you're following is not even the gospel, So many times, we follow derivatives of the gospel as opposed to the purity of what it is. And it is so important that for us as believers, we gain clarity of the gospel so that when we become gospel fluent, we're speaking clearly about what is true, not giving a distortion of what we believe to be the truth. Does that make sense? Paul gives an assessment of this situation. Then he highlights that the the Judaizers are distorting the gospel of Christ. Do you know that if you change the gospel by even one degree, you've distorted the gospel? If you take one element of the gospel and you change it, you've distorted it. It's always this kind of like nervous tension when I'm having a conversation with somebody and they ask me, what does the Bible say? And I tell them what the Bible says. And then they say, yeah, I know what that says, but I feel (laughs) we're getting into dangerous waters. The minute you begin to say, I know what the Bible says, but this is how I feel, you're pushing back against the word of God, like, because you don't like it, (laughs) or because it makes you feel uncomfortable, or because it makes you realize the gap between his holiness and our sinfulness. The minute you try to adjust the bars, you distort the gospel. 
And to distort the gospel is to take away from the beauty of the gospel. To take away from the beauty of the gospel is to try and step away from what you actually need, which is in the fullness of the gospel. Paul gives an assessment. He says, listen, what you're leaning into is not even the gospel. And it's important for us as we gain gospel clarity that we know what the gospel is and is not. Number two, Paul affirms the uniqueness of the gospel. He goes from assessing the situation to affirming the uniqueness of the gospel. Going back again, you cannot alter the gospel, okay? Think of it like this. If your grandmother has handed down her precious mac and cheese recipe for Thanksgiving, you know what you don't do on Thanksgiving? Alter the mac and cheese. That's not what you do, right? That's breaking the rules. That's, that's breaking first Grammalonians 1 and 10, okay? Do not alter the mac and cheese. There's no book of Grammalonians, but if there was a book of Grammalonians, that would be in it. You don't alter the mac and cheese. In that same passion, right, you don't alter the gospel. There's some things you just don't do. He goes on to say this. He says, but even if we or an angel from heaven, which is kind of like, here's his, uh, he starts to kind of emphasize the point that you don't alter the gospel by throwing in heavenly beings. <laughs> That's such a Paul thing to do. He's like, you know what? Here's how deep it is. You, this is how far you do not go in altering the gospel. If angels from heaven should come down and preach one that is contrary to what we have taught you, let him be condemned to hell. I mean, this is like kind of like intense. This language here, in some, some versions say, let him be devoted to God for destruction. That's like intense. And here's even, even funnier stuff happening here, because Paul is a genius writer. The way he writes, he gives it, he puts it in a clause, which the clause is to, meant to indicate the iffiness of the situation. He's trying to indicate, listen, if we, myself, Paul the apostle, and the other apostles decide to, I don't know, preach another gospel, and uh, let's say these angels come down and they decide to also preach another gospel— the clause of that means this is highly improbable. This is never going to happen. Just, but let's just say if it could, but it won't. Let that person be condemned to hell. And then he repeats it. And then when he repeats it, he writes it in a different clause. And he writes it in a clause that says, hey, by the way, that thing before that was iffy, this clause means that the previous statement is even more iffy than before. So basically, he's saying, this is not just iffy, it's super iffy. If you're a Gen Zer, he's basically saying, bro, it's super sus. Super sus that this would even take place. Am I right? Super sus. Super sus, bro. It's not even going to happen. This is super duper iffy. But if it were to happen, this is the penalty for distorting the gospel in the slightest. Wow. If Paul is using this type of language to indicate how severe the punishment should be for altering the gospel in just the slightest way. I mean, these guys are not saying that Jesus isn't Lord. They're not saying that Jesus didn't live. They're not saying that Jesus didn't die. They're not saying that Jesus didn't resurrect. They're just saying you also need to be circumcised. 
And Paul is like, even just that slight shift is worthy of condemnation. This is intense. And I, and I truly believe that the intensity of this language should make us pause and think. When we have interactions with people, are we adjusting the gospel to make everyone feel welcome? Or are we preaching it in its entirety with clarity and with purpose? See, the beauty about it is that the gospel is inclusive. It is inclusive on its own to all who would believe. You know what that means? You know what that means? All. Everybody. It is for everyone. It is naturally inclusive. There is no adjusting that needs to be made when all is the invitation. Does that make sense? We need to be clear about the gospel. Number three, Paul asserts himself as a servant of Jesus Christ. Here's why this is important. Because sometimes when it comes to church folk, we like to make adjustments to please people. Paul makes it very clear. He's not in the business of pleasing people. Am I now trying to gain the approval of people or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a slave of Christ. He asserts himself as a follower of Jesus Christ. And the irony behind all of this taking place is that the Judaizers actually believed that Paul was making the gospel way too easy. That everybody shouldn't just be able to get in. You should have to, I don't know, be circumcised before you decide that you're part of this family. And Paul is like, that's not what the gospel is. You can't undo the work of Jesus Christ by making people do work. That's not what this is about. It is all inclusive. And the Judaizers were like, well, I don't know if that's right. I don't know if that's fair. Maybe we should make some adjustments. But that's not what it's about. If we want to have clarity about the gospel, if we want to understand that our purpose is to share the word of God with people around us, we need to understand what the gospel is. We need to cling to it with everything that we are. Make it a part of our everyday conversations. So again, going over these passages of scripture, we see verses 6 and 7, Paul gives an assessment of the situation. Verses 8 and 9, Paul affirms the uniqueness of the gospel, that it is so unique that the penalty of distorting it is that severe. And then thirdly, Paul asserts himself as a servant of Jesus. This year has given a unique opportunity to see the gospel with more clarity than ever before. And I believe that as we step into 2021, I mean, I don't know what 2021 holds. There's all these different conversations going on about, oh, here comes the second wave. Okay, okay. If the second wave is on its way, then let me be prepared with the greatest gift ever given to mankind, the gospel. Let me be clear about it. Let me not be shifting it here and there to try to fit and suit people's needs, but let it be polished and ready to go so that when I have conversation with people who are asking all of these different questions, man, do you know the crazy opportunities we are given right now by the, simply by the questions that people are asking? We have the opportunity to share the gospel. 
So what does all of this mean for us right now? Like, what does that mean for me right now? Okay, clarity of the gospel. I see Paul is very intent that we need to be clear about this. There can't be a distortion on this. Hopefully, for us as believers, hopefully, you understand that you are now committed to allowing clarity of the gospel to be part of your mission of the kingdom. Clarity of the gospel is part of the mission of the kingdom. And I pray that the gospel is something that all of us clings to. I pray that the gospel is the only thing that you and I cling to. And why? Why? Because it's, it, the gospel is life. The gospel is life. And not just life, but life more abundantly. As life has been disrupted throughout this year, it makes absolute sense that we get to give people life and clarity of what that life means through the gospel. For us as believers, we need to be prepared, need to be ready in this way. To understand the gospel means to live life and live it freely, live it in abundance, and really live life, living in freedom. And here's the beauty. Paul unpacks this later on in Galatians when he begins to say, if you live by the Spirit and keep in step with the Spirit, you will begin to produce certain types of fruit. And these types of fruit bring freedom. Paul is not just advocating for a purity of the gospel, a gospel clarity, but he's essentially arguing for life to the fullest. Love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. He is advocating that when we have clarity of the gospel, you live the good life. How many coffee drinkers do we have in here today? You know what I'm talking about. Because when you use that unfiltered water for your coffee, come on, somebody, testify. It tastes different, does it not? It absolutely changes the flavor of what you're drinking. Can you imagine with me a church that chooses gospel clarity over gospel distortion? and what people could taste from gospel clarity simply in our lives. Can you imagine? So what does that mean for you? It means these, these three things. I want to give you these three things. Pastor Bonnie, you can come. I want to give you these three things that I believe are absolutely important for you. In your process of gospel clarity, and again, gospel clarity is just step one to gospel fluency. Number one, you need to assess your loyalty to the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is important. As 2020 handed out a lot of different things, it handed out a lot of opportunities to align ourselves, to place our loyalties in things that we felt deserve the highest priority. If we want to have gospel clarity, we need to assess whether or not we are choosing to be loyal to the gospel. 
Here's a question for you to journal or to put in your journal for you to ask later. Do I unequivocally belong to the gospel? Do I unequivocally belong to the gospel? Is your loyalty completely cemented and rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ? We're talking about loyalty. Is God number one? Is the gospel priority? Number two, affirm your confidence in the gospel. Affirm your confidence in the gospel. And what I mean by that is this. You have to be secure in the gospel and decide that everything you need is in the gospel and the gospel alone. That you're secure there. That you don't need some extra this or some more of this or some add-on to the gospel. No, you don't need those things because everything you need is in the gospel. There has to be a point where you affirm you're confident that the gospel is enough. Number three, assert yourself as a servant of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Assert yourself, saying, I choose to be a servant of the gospel of Christ. And simply what that means is that in my confidence of the gospel, as I assess that I am loyal to the gospel, I assert that I will not choose to serve anything else but the gospel. I will serve nothing else except the gospel. Trusting that as the gospel works in me and informs my life, we begin to get that, that filtered coffee, right? That clean tasting coffee. Pure. Now, in order to do all of these things properly, in order to affirm, to assess, and to assert yourself, I believe there's one more thing that needs to be done prior to those things. And that thing is know what the gospel is. You got to know what the gospel is. The gospel of Christ is the good news that Jesus Christ gave his life to provide forgiveness of sin and salvation to all who believe. Not some people, but all who would believe in accordance to the scriptures. This isn't just something that's my opinion or my idea. It is something that God foretold in the Old Testament that this is how it will be. It was prophesied as such. That he was buried and raised on the third day also in accordance with the scriptures. Again, this is not an opinion. It is not a guesstimate. It is not some magic trick. Our Savior went to the cross and died, gave his life for us, and rose again on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. It is a free gift of God based on the faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. This is the gospel. Now, if you can affirm 
and assert yourself into this, you're that much closer to speaking the gospel fluently into every thing and every way of life. Would you stand to your feet? I encourage you, in your faith journey, journal out what the gospel is so that you know what it is and what it's not. Make it a part of your routine. Maybe in the morning when you wake up, journal out what the gospel is. Not your best guesstimate, man. Like, get into those scriptures. What is the gospel? What is the truth? And allow it to filter through everything that you do. Can I tell you, in the gospel there is peace. There is value that is found there. That is way above anything else that you would think you could reach for and find value. And it's for all. Would you bow your heads? Father. Jesus.